Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Tintin turns 90 this year, and the exclusive manager of Hajj's estate has decided to mark this uh, milestone of the character with a year-long celebration. The cast of characters created by Hirsch, the pseudonym used by the Belgian artist Georges Remy, and their adventures in all parts of the world have become something of a global cult. However, there has been controversy over some of the material, including accusations of racism and anti-Semitism. My colleague David Sachs is a lifelong Tintin devotee, and I talked to him now to find out what the basis to these charges are. David, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks. It's thanks. good to have you, David. Mm. <laughs> Back again, long holiday. Um, David Tintin is mm. full. Why is he still so popular today, ninety years later? Ah, uh, look, I think uh, one thing is that is the global reach of of, of the Tintin universe. I mean, it, they, the, the adventures take place in all all parts of the world of the world, and it's very contemporary. A lot of the feel. So you'll have revolutions in South America or a um, uh, civil war in the, the Middle East and uh, global oil politics uh, you know, in the land of black gold, uh, a satire of the Cold War in, like, for example, the calculus affair. Um, so it, it feels very contemporary as well as, as being fantastic. And you get a whole, a whole uh, a feel for the whole of humanity, I think. That, that, that explains a global reach. Although uh, Hergé... Georges Remy, uh, he, uh, he, the name comes from his initials, uh, reversed RG. Um, he might have been a, a, a Belgian artist, but he, uh, his works are not parochial. They really, um, people all around the world can identify with him. That's, that's one. Um, and I think the, the excellence of the artwork, they, they, they're really superb um, and very influential. Uh, um, he, and you know, he was a very gifted artist, and he spent a great deal of time later with collaborators who helped him uh, on the actual visuals. Um, thirdly, I think I mean, he was a comic genius. He was a, a genuinely, amazingly, uh, his characters are amazingly funny. Uh, and uh, I, 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 when I reread the books later, I mean, I was helpless with laughter over some of it still. So let's look at some of his characters, um, David. You've got Thompson and Thompson, the policeman, one with the P, one without the P. Mm. You've got um, Captain Haddock, who, mm. as you say, brings in his own sense of humor. And, of course, Snowy the dog. Mm. Are these characters universal? You know, they, they're quite unique. I suppose uh, the, the bumbling policeman, the, the, the accident-prone uh, Thompson, so you, you get... Uh, You'll get variations on them. I mean, Inspector Clouseau, remember the the, the famous Peter Sellers character. Um, I, I find that Captain Haddock, Haddock is quite unique. Um, he was quite, in the, in the initial book, he was quite a pathetic uh, old drunk, but he be, became a stalwart of, of, of the series afterwards. Um, the, one of the characters characteristics which is unique about him is that is his his swearing he has a whole list famous list of of, of epithets uh, in which he insults people you know and, they, and the epithets are like amazingly irrelevant you can say that you'll call pe- uh, somebody a steamroller or, or an olympic athlete or a, a carpet seller you know and and you'll just like well, one after another you'll be shouting all these so-called insults at them 
uh, I, I read that the, the origin of that idea came from when Herger himself saw two men having an argument in a Brussels street and the one called the other a peace treaty. And he said, no, I'm a peace treaty. So there you go. That's, that's the origin of, uh, of Captain Haddock's uh, swearing. Well, there's other funny bits. I mean, I, I find it immensely funny that feud between Captain Haddock and the parrot that uh, Bianca Castafiori gives him. Uh, I mean, it's hate at first sight for both of them. Um, and, of course, Bianca Castafiori is a, a marvellous uh, uh, stride and a brassy, uh, uh, overbearing opera singer. She, she's uh, one of the great characters uh, created. Um, and in fact, the paparazzi marry <laughs> marry her off to Captain Herod one stage, which Captain Herod, who is a you know constander, is naturally appalled about. So you've got these characters visiting different places in the world, and of course, Tintin is a journalist. Yeah, yeah, he starts out as a journalist. Uh, later, he does very little uh, journalism. In fact, it becomes. Uh, but you know, in the, in the early books, he does. He goes to uh, you know in the Soviet Union and the Congo, uh, and he you know, he's he's works as a journalist. But after a while, it just becomes a name. He's, of course, they become very rich after discovering uh, Red Rackham's treasure, um, and you know, uh, so, uh, that's yeah. They they live in Marlins by call and the whole thing. So the money's no longer a problem. Problem. So okay, so we have got the um, the characters, we've got the humour, mm. but he's also very much Hergé, a product of his time. And um, nineteen twenty nine is, is it when we said it was started. What were the kind of prominent ideologies that were taking place? Well, yeah, he wrote. Look, Hergé was he had a quite a conservative Catholic background. He the magazine he worked for um, was a kind of a, a Catholic. Uh, run uh, institution, uh, very anti-communist. His first book, Tintin in the Land of the Soviets, uh, was like very, very anti, you know, very anti-Soviet. Obviously, uh, ex- extremely biased and quite crude. Um, it was also at the time when the Congo was a Belgian colony. Colony, and so the second book that Terje wrote was Tintin in the Congo, and I, it's on that uh, the, the charges of racism against him um, are, are largely based on that. And obviously, I mean, it is very racist, the book. Well, yes. Uh, I haven't read it too carefully. I mean, he goes around, it's a very knockabout. The early Tintin books are quite crude and uh, not as well plotted and drawn and thought out as the later ones. Um, and he goes around Africa killing lots of animals. He blows up a rhinoceros with dynamite at one stage, uh, which is not... <laughs> and it's not so much... It's not viciously racist. Something's changed since uh, the same day. Uh, quite, quite, quite a great deal has changed. It's very patronizing, and uh, it really it treats black people as sort of intellectually inferior, and uh, it, it's it's not ugly stuff. It's not really vicious as it could be, but it's 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 really putting down black people. So I understand that the Congolese tried to get that book um, revoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the other hand, a lot of Congolese people are quite are not, and they they're glad to be included in the Tintin universe, despite uh, despite that. Tin, Tintin, had, uh, to, to a late, uh, Herge later sort of made amends to an extent in the Red Sea Sharks, when he, uh, which is based on freeing slaves, uh, black slaves who are, who are you know they're going as pilgrims to Mecca because they're Muslim, black Muslims, and um, Tintin sort of uh, saves them from the fate of being sold into slavery. Um, so that partially made amends, although only partially because... Yeah. You know, I mean, Tintin is uh, revered in China. Yeah. And the first official Tintin store will be opening in Shanghai yeah. to celebrate Tintin's 90th 
birthday. Mm. Well, Hergé loved the Chinese, and he had a very close friendship with Chang. I've forgotten his surname, but uh, he appears in two of the Tintin books uh, as a character. But there was a real-life Chang with whom uh, Hergé was reunited in later life. And he, yeah, he had a, 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 he really loved the, the Chinese and the, one of his books. And this is an example of, uh, of his reflecting in his times. Um, the Japanese attack on Manchuria, invasion of Manchuria, he, he features in his book The Blue Lotus, very anti-Japanese who uh, come out uh, you know, with these rectangular teeth and look like monsters, but uh, very sympathetic to the Chinese. I say you can't call him a racist uh, in that context. The anti-Semitism charge rests well two things the the book uh what's it called the, the shooting star features an a scientific expedition of various european scientists um they're all who are the good guys but the, the the bad guys are the americans and the british now this was written during world war one world war two uh, when belgium was under nazi occupation and herge was working for a, a publication that was under nazi uh I mean, that's, yeah, they're all the publications under Nazi occupation uh, control. Um, and the bad guy is what appears to be a Jewish caricature who's like this Jewish businessman in a seedy uh, South American or Central American republic, which is mythical, and he's plotting with the Americans to stymie this whole scientific, scientific expedition and get the, you know, and... and uh, reap, reap the benefits. Um, the original name of this character, he looks Jewish, you know, with a hook nose and so on. And, uh, but this Herge denied that it was meant to be a, an anti-Jewish caricature. The, the name was originally Jewish, and he changed it to something else. Um, yeah, but I, I think that is problematical, I think. You but, said there were two. Uh, well, the, the other thing was, they're not two books. Uh, the no. other one is that he worked, he, as I say, he worked for a, a publication under the, the Nazis and he was blacklisted after the war for a while because having collaborated. But um, I think the reality was, uh, you know, the, this is a new regime and if you want to work as a cartoonist, you have to accept that the publications you work for are, um, are Nazi-controlled. Uh, um, I don't say he was pro-Jewish, but... Um, Interestingly, the land of black gold, eventually the characters became Arabs and it was about the oil, the oil um, wars in the Middle East. So it makes it very contemporary in that sense. But originally it was about the Zionist uh, uprising against the British, but he changed it for whatever reason. Now that story was sort of interrupted by the war and picked up later. It's a bit of a disjointed story. So David, my last question, because we're running out of time, is he was also very anti-communist. Yeah. Now, of course, that came to, as I said, the anti-communists oh, yes. from the from his Russian. work with with the, uh, yeah. Um, it, but he was also anti-fascist. I mean, his his book, uh, the King Ottokar's Scepter, has a the, the bad guys called Musla, which is a combination of the name Mussolini and Hitler. Um, he also does a, a, a very clever parody or, uh, or satire, or what he, what he would be like of the Cold War. Um, in the calculus affair, in which you know there's a, a myth- mythical country of Bordurias, which is really uh, the Soviet Union, and uh, and and so on. It's also about it's about espionage and all kinds of things like that. Um, so yes, he was anti-communist, but um, but he was I, I think he was pretty liberal, and uh, I, I really I don't 
although some of his attitudes would be considered problematical today, I think for his time he was quite humanitarian and had an all-embracing view of humanity, which accounts for his popularity and his enduring popularity. Enduring popularity. I mean, the truth is bookshops are still full of Tintin books and they're still enjoyed by children throughout the world. Oh, yeah. No, no. And listen, it was a great part of my children, of yours. And, of course, I've just seen my little granddaughter... uh, reading uh, the Hebrew version in Israel, although she can't read. She just look at the pictures. Well, David, thank you so much for joining me All right. as we look thank forward you. to a year of uh, celebrating Tintin's birthday. Thanks.